Burning Mercy Road Northwest, friends watching online, and even those listening via podcast. My name is Raven Moody. I am on the teaching team here at Northwest. I serve on the prayer team and I serve on the board of directors. As always, I'm honored to be here with you today to share God's word and give you an encouraging reminder of God's love and faithfulness. Before I get into this message, I'm gonna pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful morning that you brought us together to fellowship, God. We didn't come out of tradition. We didn't come out of duty, God, but we came to receive a word from you. I pray that every person listening to this message would have a heart ready to receive your word, that it would not be stony ground or rocky ground, but it would be good ground, that your word would be able to take root and be brought to fruition. Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak through me, that I would be a vessel used for your glory. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't have pen or paper, you can use the notes app on your phone or scan the QR code in the seat back in front of you for the note section. I'll give you a second to do that. In my intro, I shared an intimate piece of my past in hopes that my transparency will remind you that we all fall short and that this story that I'm about to share from the Bible isn't too far-fetched from the lives that we can sometimes live. A few weeks ago, Pastor Luke gave me a few options to choose from when sharing this message. From what he gave me, I excitedly chose Hosea and Gomer because I fell in love with the movie in 2018 called Sinners Wanted by Jimmy and Joshua Jenkins. I won't spoil the movie. You can find it on Amazon Prime. But it's about a pastor who navigates the woes of a judgmental church. His leaders felt that he was disrupting the church by inviting too many sinners. The pastor not only has to navigate these judgmental leaders, but he eventually becomes a modern day Hosea. He chooses to maintain and reconcile his relationship with his wife, regardless of her sinful ways. This movie was a beautiful depiction of God's love and his redemption on so many different levels. And that's why I love that story of Hosea and Gomer, because it's a reminder that God's love is unfailing. Now, what I didn't expect when I chose that Bible story was that God was going to show me where in my life I had been a Gomer and he had been my Hosea. I don't know why I was surprised as I've shared many times before, every time I preach a message, there comes a crushing. I get tested right before the message so that I carry the burden of what I'm teaching about with integrity. A little background history of this story, Hosea was a prophet who God told to marry a prostitute or promiscuous woman as a prophetic portrayal of his very, of his very own idolatrous bride, Israel. Disclaimer, this is not an excuse for us to get into dysfunctional relationships or live in sin, but it's a message of God's unfailing love, his forgiveness, and a warning to the people of God about what was to come if they didn't stop their spiritual adultery. With all of that said, we are currently in a series called Love at First Fight, where we examine conflict and resolution within relationships in the Bible. 
with every relationship on this earth, conflict is inevitable, but not every conflict is met with resolution. According to Harvard Law, conflict resolution is the process by which parties find a peaceful solution to their dispute. Boy, oh boy, did Hosea and Gomer have conflict. His wife was unable to be faithful to him. She continued to succumb to her promiscuous ways despite his love for her. She kept wandering into the arms of other lovers, seeking to fulfill her needs elsewhere. Hosea kept going after her, just the same as God comes after us. Now, I personally would have thought God was crazy if I was Hosea. You're telling me to marry a promiscuous person? But God was showcasing his love and relationship with his bride. My conversation probably would have went something like this. God, why are you telling me to marry and love someone who I already know can't be faithful to me? Or as the kids say, someone who's for the streets. <laughs> God, what could anyone possibly learn from this? Well, we're about to find out. Let's jump into the text. Hosea chapter one, verses one through seven. The word of the Lord came that Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak to, through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblim, and conceived him and bore a son, conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu. For the massacre at Je Jezreel, I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lohurayama, which means God excuse me, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, not by sword or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. Conflict number one, Hosea and God were married to adulterous wives. Hosea's bride is a promiscuous woman runner, running after things and people that satisfy her flesh. Any human committed to a monogamous marriage, which is how God designed it, would be hurt. God designed marriage to be legal, a legally binding covenant relationship between one man and one woman. So any human would be hurt and angry if their spouse was unfaithful to them. Just as such. God should feel the same way about his bride. He had established a covenant with these people and they just could not seem to be faithful. Something to note is that each child in this relationship, their name is a symbol of God's anger. Jezreel got his name because God was gonna punish them. Lohurema means not love. God would no longer show love to Israel. But thank God that he doesn't deal with us that way anymore. He no longer punishes us according to our sins. So here we have our overarching conflict, the unfaithful and adulterous bride. Throughout the rest of the message, I'm gonna share a few different conflicts 
In the middle, I'll show, share some resolutions. And in the end, I will give you an overarching, encouraging resolution. Our next verses are Hosea 1, verses 8 through 11. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Lo Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Loamai, means not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel. Conflict number two. We birth illegitimate or ungodly things when we stray from our protector and provider. Nothing conceived out of our sin, fleshly nature, our own wisdom, will have the DNA of God. Let me say that again. Nothing conceived out of sin, fleshly nature, or our own wisdom can have the DNA of God. Here we see another childbirth, but only in the scripture do we specifically see the first child named as Hosea's. What have we birthed out of pride, out of greed, out of envy, out of control, out of lying, out of lust, out of gossip, out of gluttony, out of slothfulness, out of wrath? Here are some examples. When we replace God with wealth or success, it can lead to things like greed, sinful ways of obtaining money, lack of stewardship. When we replace God with things like sex or ungodly relationships, it can birth soul ties, insecurity, heartache, STDs, familiar spirits, children out of wedlock, broken homes, spiritual apathy, and so on. When we replace God with fame or popularity, it births depression, anxiety, lack of identity, people-pleasing, lack of genuineness, perfection. Replacing God with something like drugs or alcohol can birth broken families, loss of identity, money problems, mental health issues, distorted reality, and so on. Replacing God with pursuit of power can birth legalism, division, chaos, and so much more. Some of the things I just named, as well as anxiety, depression, misblessings, unhealthy generational patterns, addiction, strongholds, bitterness, pain, division, heartache, lack of stewardship. These are the things that we can birth when we replace our desires with God. We, we replace God with our desires. So conflict number one was that God and Hosea had unfaithful, adulterous brides. Conflict number two was that we birth illegitimate things. Let's keep reading. Hosea chapter two, verses one through 13. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has, and con has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and my water and my wool and my linen and my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so she cannot find her way. 
She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them and not find them. She will say, I will go back to my husband at first, for I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain and the new wine and oil, who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens. I will take back my wool and linen. I intended to cover her naked body. So, I, so now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hand. I will stop her all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were, were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. She forgot declares the Lord. Conflict number three, she chases idols and they cannot fulfill her voids. She says, they gave me food and water, wool and linen and oil. Here, she was looking for her lovers to fulfill her needs, not realizing that she already had those things. She attributed, to them, attributed them to her lovers but they actually had come from God. Now we see in this text that God is angry and he's starting to warn of the coming consequences. Have you replaced God or even other relationships with your desires? Have you replaced your family with your phone, gaming, sports, because you think that they give you something that your family cannot? Have you put your, uh, have you put found yourself working tirelessly, chasing status and respect and putting others to the wayside? Have you replaced genuine relationships with seeking what you can get from them only to discard those people later? What could we be looking to fulfill a need or a void versus looking to God? Meanwhile, People around us are saying, do you see me? Do you care? Here I am, yet you're seeking something else. We do that to God all too often and sometimes don't even realize it. God, I don't wanna follow your plan because I want what I want. Has anyone ever seen the meme of the, the little girl with the little bear and Jesus has the big bear? So for those who haven't, I should have probably put it on the screen, but there's a little girl, she's got this little teddy bear and Jesus is standing in front of her with this big bear behind his back and he's asking her for this little bear and she's saying, but God, I love it. But he had something so much greater for her if she was just willing to give up the little bear. Sometimes we settle for things outside of the will of God. Sometimes it's because we don't wanna wait Sometimes it's because we don't want the process that comes with getting that promised blessing. In the scripture, we see a bride who has access to the very things that she desires. I'm pretty sure that little girl would have loved to have the big bear. 
but she was unwilling to let go of the little bear. Just like this woman, she was unwilling to be honorable, unwilling to be faithful in order to sustain the blessing that she had, unwilling to deny her flesh to get what God had for her. But here we also saw resolution. Resolution number one is that God will stand in our way to protect us. Here we, in that scripture, we saw that he tries to stop her or allow things to be in her way to keep her from getting to the things that she's chasing. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to go back to an old habit or go back to an old relationship out of comfort, but something just seems to stand in the way? Proverbs 26 and 11 tells us not to go back to foolish things. Sometimes we believe that the boundaries that God sets before us is just God's way of stopping us from just having fun or him just trying to make us follow rules. But these things are simply for us to abide in him who protects us from all hurt, harm and danger seen and unseen. Sometimes we want to go back because we think those things will fulfill us even after God sets us free. We go back to cheating on our spouses or looking for love and validation. We go back to drugs or alcohol to numb our pain and make us feel better. We go back to gossiping to make us feel important or in the know. We go back to chasing money as a false sense of security. We go back to chasing power so that we feel in control. But God wants us to protect us. God wants to protect us from these things not just so that we can be closer to him, but also so that we maintain healthy hearts and to salvage our relationships with other people. Hosea 2, verses 14 through 23. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope, and she will respond as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came out of Egypt, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband, and you will no longer call me master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and battle. I will abolish from the land so that they may lay down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness. And you will acknowledge the Lord in that day, and I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, and new wine, and the olive oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I call not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, and they will say you are my God. Resolution two, he draws us to him. This, this text says that he allures her. In other words, he charmingly attracts her. He will draw us to himself because he is a compassionate and loving father. Aren't you glad that God pursues us? When you feel that nudge or that tug on your heart, don't ignore it. 
No matter what we do, God wants us to come to him. Resolution three found in this text. God can redeem even what is not in his will. We see this so much in the Bible. Look at David and Bathsheba. The lineage of Jesus came through their marriage. That was a horrendous situation. Every, all of the messages in this series so far, there is something that happens that's outside of the will of God, but God redeems and restores every story. The Bible doesn't specifically tell us which of Gomer's children are not Hosea's, but we do see that only the first child was specifically said to be his. But regardless of whose they are, Hosea decides in this verse to look beyond his, his wife's faults, just like God looks beyond Israel's faults and chooses to love her anyway. He chooses to love us anyway. Sometimes following our own ways can have disastrous outcomes, but thank God for his sovereignty that even in the bad, Romans 8.28 tells us that he'll work everything for our good. Sometimes we also have to be like Christ and be the person that chooses to forgive because we all need mercy. Just as God forgives us, we must also forgive. Some of you may not be the Gomer in the situation. You may be the Hosea. Again, I'm not saying settle for dysfunctional relationships or stay in abusive situations, whether that be romantic, friendships, family. But if there is an opportunity for resolution and reconciliation, seek God and he'll guide you. Yes, we see that God got angry and he started to walk away and punish them, but eventually he had a heart of compassion. We even see that in Jeremiah 29, 11. We love to quote that so much as promises. Oh, God has a promise for me. He has a hope and expected end. But what a lot of people don't read is the context. Israel was in trouble, but God still had a plan for them. He still had a future for them. He was still going to bring them out on the other side. The children of Israel were in trouble with God, yet he still had a purpose. His love never failed. We also see that the bride now realizes that she's better off. We see that she embraces going back to her first love. Romans 2, verse 4, tells us that the character and the mindset of God is that his love will bring us to repentance. He just wants our hearts. Yes, sometimes we will reap the consequences of our decisions because we live in a fallen world. But his love in the midst of our wrongdoings should turn our hearts back to him. Repentance is to turn. It's not just to ask for forgiveness or say, I'm sorry, but it's to actually turn away from those things and turn back to him. Hosea chapter three, verses one through five. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, Love her as the love Lord, as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. 
You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will be, behave, behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. After the Israelites will, afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last day. One key thing that I want everyone to take from this message is to understand that we can be faithful, whether it's to God, whether it's to those around us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, and the NIV version says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, in the New Living Translation says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's a verse I love because it shows us God's heart, that he doesn't just ask us to live rightly. When we open ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit, he will help us to live rightly. We are to live in unity with him and with others. If you keep reading throughout the rest of Hosea, it'll lay out the downfalls of God's people and the anger of God and the blessings that come following their repentance. It lays out all of the stuff that God allowed because of Israel's promiscuity. But just like Hosea, it ended and redemption. The beautiful thing for us today is that in the Old Testament, sin had to be dealt with. A sacrifice had to be made. But for us, the price for our sins were already paid. Jesus went to the cross and we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us to help us to do right and to live right. No, we won't be perfect. But the Bible tells us that when we walk after the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. God will help you be faithful to him. God will help us to be faithful in our relationships too. His word not only renews our hearts and minds, it lays out how we are to conduct ourselves. Now, I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. What happened with my idolatrous heart? I began praying and asking God, to help me see that he was enough. It wasn't an overnight process, but I, he began changing my perspective through my relationship with him. I'll never forget feeling like I was gonna lose my job. I was so burnt out and I just couldn't keep it together. And God not only sustained me, he sustained my job. It showed me that he was my provider. Around that same time, I remember driving up Keystone and this car uh, cuts me off. So I tapped my horn. What happened next, I wasn't expecting. The guy gets out of the car and I was actually afraid that he was gonna shoot me. So I literally said, the blood of Jesus. As soon as I said the blood of Jesus, he froze, turned back around and got in the car. God was showing me that he was my provider had my husband been there, he wouldn't have been able to stop a bullet, but God could. 
In that same time, God began to draw me closer and closer to him as I spent more time with him. He showed me that he was my priest. All of those things show me that what I was looking for in a spouse, a protector, a provider, a priest of my home, that God was those things first, and a physical husband would only be an extension of him, but could not fulfill those desires. God became enough for me. Matthew 6 and 33 became one of my favorite scriptures because I realized that I needed to seek him first, not my voids, not to fulfill what I desired in my own way. Instead of trying to, to meet my own needs, God met me. All I needed was provided by him. My last nugget is resolution four, keep renewing your mind. Romans 12 and two tells us to renew our mind. Healing and deliverance is not a one-time thing because the enemy is going to try again. Spiritual leader Therese Solomon says, treat deliverance as the starting line and you will be conditioned for a marathon of freedom. Satan is playing for keeps, but thank God that Jesus sets us free. In Matthew 4, we see Jesus being tempted over and over, but he stood on the word of God and he used the sword of the spirit, the word. And we are to do the same thing, to stand on the word of God, but you've got to know it in order to stand on it. Don't just, don't just quote it or, or just even memorize it just so you can say, can say you know the scripture. Believe it. Allow it to get down in your heart. The Bible says to meditate on it day and night. We can be free from our, habit, our bad habits or our spiritual adultery or the things that we do that offend those around us. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. When that word is in your heart, it helps you to no longer walk in those sinful things. Let his word wash over your mind. No matter what you've done, God can and he will forgive you. 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Psalms 102 verses 10 through 12 tells us that he does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us for our iniquities. Let's bring, uh, excuse me, let's bring our faults to him today. God is not dealing with us the way he dealt with people in the Old Testament because Jesus died for our sins before any of us were even thought of. Every sin that you could ever commit, the price was paid for. No matter how far you've gone, God is standing with arms wide open. He calls us to walk with him to walk with the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is living on the inside of you. You have to believe it. He calls us to walk with him. It doesn't matter if you slipped up and you drank alcohol and got drunk again, if you dishonored your spouse again, if you slipped up on sexual purity or sexual immorality and now you feel hopeless that you'll ever get it right, if you found yourself struggling with control or the love of money, if you're finding yourself lying or hiding sin to protect your image, 
If you feel like you can't stop gossiping or you find yourself slandering others to build yourself up. If your sin is pride, I don't know what your thing is. God wants you to turn back to him. In other words, repent. These sins or adulterous ways do not define you. Your sins are not your identity. Resolution is possible and so is reconciliation. If these things you've done has caused conflict with another person, go and ask for forgiveness. And if you're the one that's been wronged, go and ask God to help you forgive them. The Bible tells us to forgive, not just for them, but for the health of our own hearts. Someone came in today. Maybe you didn't realize that the thing that you keep going back to is spiritual adultery. Maybe you fell short again this week and you feel hopeless that you'll ever get it right. Maybe you think you're unworthy of forgiveness. Maybe you even feel justified in not forgiving that person. But you aren't too far to be drawn back to God. You aren't too far to be discipled. God is waiting for you, arms wide open. The prayer room is open today. If you have an idol that you need to lay at God's feet, let him fill that place. If you have a strained relationship because of a habit or a sin you've committed, take it to him. If you're struggling to forgive, take it to him. Resolution will not come overnight, but you can choose to forgive today. And every time the enemy brings that thing back to you, because he will, he will try to plant a seed of anger, of bitterness. He'll try to trigger you, but you can make a decision over and over again, right in that moment to forgive again. Seek resolution before termination. We live in a world of cancel culture that tells us to just throw people away when they have wronged us, but that's not the heart of Jesus. We live in a, in a society of no commitments, but God is saying, he will not quit on you. So don't you quit on that brother or sister that has disappointed you or use sharp words because Jesus died for them too. Don't you quit on that child that you don't believe will ever come to Christ because Jesus died for them too. Don't you quit on that husband or wife that you're finding it hard to like right now because Jesus died for them too. Don't you quit on that person that seems like a lost cause because Jesus died for them too. Your idol, your strained relationship, your heartache that someone else has caused, it's not too big for God. He already knows you just need to take it to him. Put it in his hands and no longer carry that burden. Walk in unity with the Holy Spirit and walk in unity with others. God is waiting. So again, the prayer room is open. Prayer team, if there's anyone here, who, may, who even if you aren't, um, on the schedule and you feel led to go back and pray, go ahead and go back to the prayer room. Again, if you need to just lay some things before God's feet, if you need to reconcile some things between you and another person or you and God, the prayer room is open. Or you, even if you choose to sit in your seat and make your peace with God, do that. Because God is waiting and he's ready to forgive. Family, let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message, God, that first you convicted me on, that you worked out in me. And God, I pray, God, that hearts would have received this word, God. Lord, I pray for reconciliation, resolution between us and other people, and even us and you, Lord. Lord, if anything is in us that's not like you, Lord, bring it to our, our minds, Lord, that we would be able to lay those things at your feet. Lord, if we have idols, Lord, let us surrender those idols so that you, God, can fill every void in our hearts and our minds. Lord, I just pray, God, that your will will be done in our lives, God. If there's hurt, if there's pain, if there's heartache, Lord, we know that you are greater than it. We know that your Holy Spirit is a comforter, that he is a friend, and that there is nothing too big for you to solve. So God, we just thank you, and I pray that this word would not be plucked up by the enemy, but it will take root and bring fruition, God, that we would be able to walk out what you have called us to in the word. I pray that we would meditate on your, on your word day and night, that our lives would be changed, that we would apply your word, not just read it just to say we've done it, but actually walk it out, God. Lord, have your way in the lives of each and every person listening to this word. We honor you. We thank you. Again, Lord, let the words of all of our mouths and the meditation of all of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. You are our strength. You are our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.